You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Sometimes God will deem it necessary, deem it fit, to have us all to Himself. When we talk about God being a jealous God, He's not jealous of us, He's jealous for us. It's a divine jealousy and a love for us that says this, I am your God, and I am all you need, and I am the one that you can cling to when everything else has vanished. Pastor J.D. shows us what God's jealousy and love for us means. God's the only one you can count on when everything's going wrong or right in life. So you should always be turning to Him. Pastor J.D. teaches us that it's important not to forget that fact when we're at our lowest points. Have you tried calling out to God when life overwhelms you? Seek Him today. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 63 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Verse 1. Now, we're told that Psalm 63 is a psalm of David, and we're told specifically that it was during a time when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Verse 1, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Having just come back from Israel and being there in the wilderness and seeing just how dry it is. There's nothing but rocks and it's so dry. And you can just imagine David describing and sort of comparing his soul to the dry and thirsty land where there is no water that he finds himself in. So what's he going to do? Verse 2, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. By the way, that's uh, where lifting up hands in worship and praise to God comes from. We see it throughout Scripture, and such is the case with this psalm here. The idea of lifting one's hands is that of a childlike, simple faith, that of a child lifting up their hands to their loving father, their loving mother, to receive them, to even lift them up, to pick them up, to hold them, to love on them, to comfort them. I remember when I was a new believer, this is back in the early 80s, I just had gotten saved, and I go to this Billy Graham crusade, and here are all these people, and they are raising their hands, and here am I going, what is up with that? So I remember asking somebody, I said, why, why do people, 
you know, raise their hands in when they praise and, and worship and when they sing. And I had it explained to me this way, and it kind of made sense. So when you raise your hands, it's kind of like you're receiving from one hand that from the Lord, and then you're expressing on the other hand your praise to the Lord. And by the way, the, the raising of hands is sort of a universal language. You know, by raising the hands, it, it transcends the language barrier. So David is saying here in his lips, praising the Lord and blessing the Lord, he's going to lift up his hands to the Lord in your name. And then verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, this is interesting, it kind of carries with it this idea of you're laying there, you're trying to sleep, and it's at those times (laughs) that your mind is turned towards the Lord. And he says, I meditate on you in the night watches, because, verse 7, you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul, verse 8, follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it, shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They, verse 10, shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. Keep in mind, at the time that David wrote this, and in this season in his life, he's still the king of Israel. Everyone who swears by him shall glory, but the mouth of those who speak lies, and there were so many that were speaking lies, shall be stopped. Wow, what a psalm, what a psalm. I think we need to know a little bit of the backstory to this psalm in order to better understand what's happening here with David during this season in his life. To say that this was a very dark time for David, would be a gross understatement. And the reason is, is because this was written about that time in David's life when he was running from his own son, his son Absalom. Here he is now, and he finds himself back in the wilderness of Judah. He's very familiar with this place. He's been here before. This time, he's not fleeing from Saul trying to kill him, Worse yet, he is fleeing from his own son, who wants to kill him. Here we go again. (laughs) David has once again basically lost everything in his life, at this point in his life, during this season in his life. The first time he had lost everything when he fled from Saul, and this time he's lost everything because he's fleeing from his son, Absalom, who came into Jerusalem, David with his people, 
left of their own volition, not wanting the bloodshed that would certainly ensue were they to stay in Jerusalem when Absalom and those with him had arrived to kill the king, Absalom's own father. And so here's David once again. Here's the king of Israel. (laughs) He's sitting in his rightful place on the throne of Israel. And now he's homeless again, living in this dry wilderness, running for his life. And in so doing, he's clinging to his God. I love it where at the beginning of the psalm, and the emphasis is, I believe, on you are my God. And the reason I say it that way and emphasize it that way is because He has everything now that has been taken from him once again, but they cannot take away his God. He doesn't have the throne anymore, at least for now. He doesn't know how it's going to end. We know how it's going to end. He will soon know how it's going to end. And by the way, it'll be a bittersweet end, because it'll end with the death of his son, whom he loves so much. You hear it in the narrative when he says of Absalom, my son Absalom, Absalom my son. He had given explicit orders to his military commander Joab to not kill Absalom, and Joab deliberately disobeyed the king's orders and killed Absalom because he knew that that would be the only thing, the right thing to do, because of David and because of Israel. And sadly, he was right. Had his life been spared by Joab, we would be reading a very, an entirely different narrative that would have come as a result. I believe that God allowed Absalom to be killed, as painful as that was for David. But at this point, I don't think I can stress it enough, He has lost everything. He has nothing but his God. You can take everything, but you can't take away from me my God. And it reminds me of a saying, and I don't remember who said it, but it is so aptly said. You'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Isn't it true, and I would venture to say in your life, like in my own life, that there are those seasons where God will allow things to be taken away, if but for a time, for no other reason other than for us to draw near to Him and for Him to in turn draw near to us. As difficult as it might be and as painful as the loss suffered is, it's in those times when you realize that, you know, don't hang on too tightly, because you do not know when those things are going to be required of you. Even loved ones are going to be required of you. And it's when that happens that you realize that you have nothing, but you do have the Lord. And it's at those times that you realize the Lord is all you need, 
because the Lord is all you have. And those can be some very deep and rich times, times that you'll always look upon with fond memories. As painful as it was, you find yourself unwilling to ever exchange the closeness that you had with the Lord during those times. And this is what this psalm to me is all about. David is just basically saying, Lord, I, I have you. And you know what? You're all I need. Here I am, the king of Israel, and I'm homeless again, living in this wilderness, in these caves. I don't know how this is going to end. I don't know what's going to happen, but here's what I do know. When I don't know, I'll fall back on what I do know. And what I do know is, I will always have you. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. And moreover, no one can ever take you from me. Nothing, Romans 8, can separate me from the love that you have for me. And the list is actually quite descriptive. There are no demons, there are no heights, there are no principalities, there are no depths, there is no thing, no one that can ever separate me from you. Sometimes God will deem it necessary, deem it fit, to have us all to Himself. When we talk about God being a jealous God, He's not jealous of us, He's jealous for us. It's a divine jealousy and a love for us that says this, I am your God, and I am all you need, and I am the one that you can cling to when everything else has vanished and evaporated or been taken away. And that's the heart of David at this time. And notice, by the way, how the psalm ends, and we'll see this again uh, with Psalm 64, which we'll look at next. I mean, he starts off, and it's quite graphic in his description. I mean, parched and barren, his spirit, his soul is like the barren wilderness that he's in, the dryness of this. And, and he describes this thirst. And you have to understand that when you're in a place like that, water is supreme. <laughs> and thirst reigns supreme. And here he is, and the number one thing that he needs in that dry and barren wilderness is water. And then he likens it, he connects it to the thirst that he has for his God in his soul. And he knows that it is his God that can satiate that thirst that he has in this dry and barren land that he's in. And he praises God. His praise for the Lord comes forth from his lips with raised hands as he praises God and thanks God, in spite of where he's at. I mean, you got to think about this. I put myself in that position. Am I praising God or am I complaining? <laughs> am I murmuring? I know you know nothing of what I speak. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. Am I praising God or am I complaining? God, why are you allowing this? Why am I here again? What is this about? How are you going to bring good from this? My son wants to kill me. He now is in Jerusalem sitting on the throne that you have called me to. And here I am in this dry wilderness, thirsty, 
not just physically, spiritually thirsting for you. There's not one hint of a complaint from David, this man who has a heart after God's own heart. Well, Psalm 64, again, to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, verse 1, Hear my voice, O God, in my meditation. Hang on to this, because we're going to come back to it. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Verse 2, hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the rebellion of the workers of iniquity, who sharpen their tongue like a sword and bend their bows to shoot their arrows, bitter words, that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. Suddenly they shoot at him and do not fear. They encourage themselves in an evil matter. They talk of laying snares secretly. They say, who will see them? They devise, verse 6, iniquities. We have perfected a shrewd scheme, quote unquote. Both the inward thought and the heart of man are deep. But God, verse 7, I love those two words. They change everything. Whenever you see a but God, everything that was right before you read those two words, but God, (laughs) they're subject to but God. In spite of all of that, God, but God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So he will make them stumble over their own tongue. I like that imagery. All who see them shall flee away. All men shall fear. Notice the contrast between fearing of the enemy and contrasted with the fear of the Lord. And men shall fear and shall declare the work of God, for they shall wisely consider His doing. The righteous shall be glad in the Lord and trust in Him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. So Psalm 64 is also a psalm, some see it sort of as a continuation of the previous psalm, Psalm 63, but it was also written about the time in David's life when he's fleeing from Absalom. And what I love about this psalm is this brutal honesty. I love this about God's Word as a whole. I mean it's just, which by the way is one of many reasons, and there are many reasons, but one of many reasons why you know that it was written and inspired by God Himself. Because were it not, you would not have the honesty within the pages of Holy Writ. And such is the case with this psalm, the brutal honesty on David's part concerning his fear. This is important to me because, notice in verse 1, David doesn't pray to be preserved from the enemy. doesn't say that. That's not what he prays. That's not what he says. 
What he does say is to be preserved from the fear of the enemy. In other words, he's fully given over to fear. And he knows, I believe, of his own propensity to be given over to this fear. Now, (laughs) if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you see David as this mighty warrior, and he is. You see him as this man of God, this man who has a heart after God's own heart, and yet here we have this, and it might be hard hard to grasp and even accept, but this mighty warrior is fearful. (laughs) He's full of fear of the enemy, and he's pleading with the Lord to preserve his life, not from the enemy, but from the fear of the enemy. This is a man who's honest about the power of fear, the paralyzing power, the crippling power of fear, and he's begging God to be preserved from the fear, the fear. It's a very real fear. He's in this place of fear. But again, thankfully, by the time we get to the end of the psalm, (laughs) the Lord's not going to let him stay there. Now he has this assurance. He's praying to the Lord. He's meditating on the word of the Lord. And in so doing, God has given him that much needed change of perspective. But we still have a problem here because we still have this mighty warrior that is dealing with the reality and the intensity of fear. As I was pondering this particular psalm, it struck me how hard it is for someone, especially like myself. I love David. This man is, (laughs) can't wait to meet him. There are so many along with him that I can't wait to meet in glory. But David was a warrior. I mean, this is, this is the David that slew Goliath. This is the David that God delivered into his hands with his bare hands, a lion and a bear. This is a David who has been through so much. All of the Philistines that God delivered into his hands. This was a, a victor in every sense of the word. This man was a victor. He was a warrior. He was someone that, well, let's just be candid. You wouldn't want to mess with this guy. And you surely wouldn't want to mess with his 600 men, his loyal men, who stood by his side until the end. These were killers, if I can say it that way. And I say that in a sanctified sense of the word. These are killers, not murderers. Thanks for taking the time to listen today to In Spirit and Truth. Pastor J.D. has been taking us through the book of Psalms, detailing the author's messages of hope and pain, joy and sorrow. You may have found today that you identified with the sentiments expressed in today's passage. And if that's the case, we encourage you to explore more. Dive into the Word yourself and ask God to reveal additional love and personal truth that He knows you need to hear today. 
If you'd like to hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings in Psalms 2, you can find them online at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Are you a part of a community of believers? If you haven't yet found a church that you can call home, we'd like to urge you to remedy that soon. A church family can be a source of support, a cheering squad, and most importantly, a group of faithful prayer warriors. This is also a place you can give of your unique talents in support of others as well. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you have a standing invitation to be part of our family of believers. Come join Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find out more at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. There's a lot to discover at our website, including a link to our mobile app, social media pages, and Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Updates. That website, one more time, is inspiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have for today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of Psalms, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <music> 